Hello, welcome to the Dear Writer podcast. I'm Sarah. And I'm Ashley. We're two aspiring collaborative authors sharing our writing journey with you. The ups, the downs, and everything in between. Whether you're just starting out or a more experienced writer, we hope that you'll find this podcast inspiring and thought-provoking. And here's the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Dear Writer. It is a pretty snowy day or snowy week in Calgary. It is snowing, a, well, I would say a blizzard, but it's not really a blizzard. So that's, that's probably <laughs> inaccurate. <laughs> that's really funny. Um, how's it where you are, Ashley? It feels like the weather's turned a corner, actually. This past week, it's been like 20 degrees here in Auckland. So it's been pretty nice. So T-shirt jealous. weather. I was in a tank top yesterday. Oh, nice. I know. It's been a while, um, but no, it's been it's been really nice, and we're finally free of all of our COVID restrictions again. So we have been in relative freedom for a week and a bit now. And my mother-in-law just got out of I call it COVID jail. I don't know if any of you, all of you, are aware of uh, New Zealand's COVID protection measures, but we, if you arrive in the country, you're put into a government managed isolation facility for 14 days where they monitor you and test you and whatnot. And if you test positive in there, you have to go to the quarantine hotel as well. So it's like you get moved <laughs> from isolation to the quarantine hotel. So she was very worried about having to go to the quarantine hotel, but she was okay. She had two negative tests. So she got out this morning and she, she arrived at our house like just before we started recording. And so she's having a green tea because they did not serve her green tea in the hotel. And she's also having an egg because, quote unquote, she's missed properly cooked food. <laughs> but she's free now, so it's oh, good. Dear. And you have to pay for that in New Zealand, don't you, as well? So that's a bit sad. Yeah, so she <laughs> didn't... proper serve food. <laughs> no, she didn't have to pay. They've got very, like, weird criteria about who has to pay. Oh, okay. Because it's like if you leave New Zealand after, had left New Zealand after August and return, you have to pay. And if you're staying for less than three months, you have to pay. But she, she's been away for six months. She left in March sometime and she's back for the foreseeable future. So she didn't have to pay. Okay. Um, but she wished there was a pay option to upgrade because she would have definitely <laughs> paid that. Your feedback to them. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, I would like an upgrade for my meal service. <laughs> yes, yes. I used to joke with my husband about that with the hospital meals. He's like, screw paying for like a better room. You should be able to pay for better meals. <laughs> oh, that'd be such a good idea. People would definitely do that. <laughs> yeah. So I wanted to say welcome back to everyone as well. And I hope that you are having either a great Christmassy sort of beginning weather like I am, although I know Calgary is kind of early to snow compared to most other places, or a nice summer weather like Ashley is. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So how has your writing been going, Ashley? I haven't been doing too much writing. Sarah and I are still planning out our next book. Sarah did an amazing job doing the chapter plans and she gave them to me a couple of weeks ago, I think it was. Yeah. Uh, and I was reading through them just looking for any other inconsistencies or finding a few things that we could improve. I think we did end up, um, we ended up adding an extra character perspective, which we were a bit hesitant at the start to do. But once I did the chapter plans for it and saw it in the book. I think it actually is going to work really, really well. I'm looking forward to yeah, it. Yeah, I, I think so too. I'm really excited about it. Once we kind of worked that out and when I saw the changes that Ashley had made, I was like, wow, you know, this has really changed it to make it more surprising and exciting. So I'm quite excited to see how it goes. A lot more tense, I think. Yeah. Which should be good. What about you? How's your writing been going for the past month? Well, I also haven't been doing very much. I mean, I finished the chapter plans, as we said, and sent them through to Ashley. And then after that, it sort of coincided with uh, another nursing course beginning for me. So that has taken up my time a bit. It's got copious readings. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, oh my God, I've got to read several hundred pages in two days. <laughs> <laughs> so that has been challenging, but also I got a little bit stuck where I was with my own creative project. And so I've just been kind of letting it lie and letting it churn in my mind to 
hopefully get past that issue that I've been having, which is mainly just inserting a scene which doesn't want to be written. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. As we found with uh, When the Rain Falls and all those books, sometimes just leaving it for a while really helps. Yeah. Rather than getting all frustrated, trying to force it in, and then you just have to rewrite it anyways. (laughs) Yes. Should we move on to our main discussion then? Yeah. About creating believable characters. Yes. I'm very excited. Sarah and I will probably, probably this week, we'll start more in depth creating our characters for our new book, which I'm excited about. I really like creating characters. I don't know what it is about it, but it's really fun when you get to, I'm going to quote unquote, invent a person, is what I'm going to say. It is very interesting. I find it quite fun from like having studied a certain amount of psychology. I find it quite interesting to create different personalities and see them come to life and reflect on different possibilities and how people differ in perspectives. So I quite enjoy it. All right. So if if we're going to get started, just generally speaking, in your opinion, what do you think makes a character believable in the first place? Okay. I think they have to have flaws. And I think something that really brings them to life is having their own belief system. Whether their beliefs are right or wrong, just having that belief system there really brings the character themselves into focus. Because you think about it, we all go through experiences and we develop our beliefs based on our experiences, how we've lived our life, the culture, society, and all those things contribute to you as a person. So if you work out where your character is in terms of their beliefs, then you can kind of start shaping their personality as well. I would definitely agree with that. I think flaws really make or break a character. I always love characters that have, one, something interesting about them that makes them feel sort of different to the norm, not stereotypical, not corny, something, you know, interesting. And then also, like you said, characters with flaws, so characters that aren't perfect. And I really, I don't know, I always love books when you can like see these characters' flaws and then the author, or even if it's a movie, puts them in a situation and you know how the character's going to react. And (laughs) inside, you start to squirm and feel uncomfortable because you know exactly what they're going to do and you know it's going to be the wrong choice and it's not going to end up going well for them. But you also know that actually is exactly what they would do in that situation, sort of creating their own problems kind of and then snowballing. I do like that in characters. Yeah. So I think it's important to maybe not make every single one of your characters like that, but especially your main protagonists to have something about them that's going to, the readers can one, first resonate with, but two, a flaw that makes them kind of go, oh. (laughs) (laughs) So you talked about snowballing. Something that I find very interesting as well is when you have several different characters and how those characters interact in ways that their flaws make them snowball. So, you know, like one person, I don't know, they might have a fear about one thing and then the other person has a fear about something different. But then those fears, I don't know, maybe one has a fear of rejection and then the other one has a fear of commitment and it just starts snowballing and like feeding off each other. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So then you see the ways they interrelate and then it starts just getting worse and worse. And I think it's interesting how characters' flaws can show up flaws in others as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We have that highlighted quite well, I think, in Price of Pandemonium, where everyone's <laughs> character yes. flaws sort of start really coming to the surface at the same time and it yeah, yeah. <laughs> ends up quite disastrous. But by finding that one you can you can feel it coming too, because you know what the you can see it and you're like, Oh no, this isn't gonna go well. You got no, you should, maybe you shouldn't have said that. Uh oh. <laughs> I was reading that recently, actually, sort of the end bit with Dylan's insecurities and then Lizzie's strong-willed, I want to do everything myself. (laughs) And then he just totally misinterprets the situation because of his insecurities. (laughs) And yeah, she doesn't realize he's even listening. Yeah, I was was gonna say Lizzie reacts predictably and you're like oh Lizzie just no but also you're like oh but Dylan don't say that oh Lizzie he didn't mean it. I think I said in an early podcast that writing a book is like getting a whole lot of different personalities in a room and then watching it sort of all fall apart. (laughs) Watching them all self-destruct or something similar I can't remember exactly what I said but I 
I do remember you saying something like that. One massive social experiment. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Social experiment with different personalities. Yeah. And then just put them in some terrible situations and just watch the chaos unfold. Pretty much. Yep. How important then do you think backstory is to a character? Extremely important. I don't think you need to put that backstory into the book necessarily, especially at the beginning. And with if you're writing a series in your first book, you might not get a whole of the backstory coming through, but then... I think having an idea and knowing where your character has been in their past is important to developing a lot of aspects of their character, mainly because the society sort of shapes your experiences, right? So I think that's important for your character to have a backstory as well, because that's going to help shape how they might react in a situation. And really when you're looking at developing a character rather than what they look like or even like a, a trait. I don't know, for Lizzie, for example, you'd be like, she's stubborn, determined. Those describe her, but it's not necessarily going to tell you how, like it will to a certain extent, but not always tell you exactly how she's going to act in every situation. But when you combine that with her past experiences, then you know, okay, she's probably going to act like this. And that's really important to know as an author so that you are having consistency with your characters. What do you think, Ashley? I would 100% agree. I think backstory is really, really critical, just just like you said. I always feel when I'm writing, or even when I'm reading books, to me, the characters are real people. I think I've explained in the, one of my blog posts before how even when I'm writing, I get quite emotionally involved in, with my characters because I feel like they're real. And just like you said, you know, real people are influenced by their experiences and everything they've gone through in their past. So why shouldn't your characters have a similar situation? And I really feel like backstory, like you said, it's not important for it to come through, you know, right at the start. But I think if you have got it wrong, it's really obvious. Like when characters don't match the backstory you've given them or they're acting out of character, you can really tell uh, in that sort of situation. Yeah. When yeah. you haven't done it right, if that makes any sense. It does. Like probably, if, yeah, I feel like if you've done it right, you probably won't notice. But if you've done it incorrectly, then you're like, oh, whoopsies. Oh, that's, that's really strange. That's way out of character. <laughs> yes. And sometimes it can take you a little bit to kind of work that out as well. We had issues with one of the characters that sort of came up in our third book. He's been challenging to create from the terms that I think we got him, like by the end of the book, I was writing him okay. But then the first chapter just didn't quite sit right. And Ashley kind of picked it out early when she read through it and she tried changing it a little bit and then we had our beta reader James Ashley's husband read through it and that was one of the things that he picked up too so it probably still needs to be reworked <laughs> yes yes but, yeah you know like it can take you a little bit of time to get there with certain characters as well yeah well he going back to him reading that chapter so he said to me he's like something's off about this chapter and I can't I can't place it it just it feels really strange he's like maybe it's the character or maybe it's just this chapter and I was like yeah you know funny you should say that because I not that it was there's nothing bad about it. Do you it. think it was just the start? Yeah, it's just, I don't know. Was the end bit that I it was, re-edited okay? Or was it? I think, so. yeah, it wasn't like the bit at the end of that chapter. It's like the first part up until um, into the Lizzie conversation. Right. I might. Yeah, it's just, yeah. Maybe I might have a look at that and see whether I can change it again because 
I know that because you've already sort of had a go at editing. Yeah. I didn't do too much on it. It might be helpful to almost re, re yeah, possibly. It to that Lizzie point or something. Yeah. Especially because he read his subsequent chapters and this character is actually, he says, his favorite character. He really likes him and thinks the other <laughs> chapters are great. I think he's going to be a favorite. <laughs> so, yeah, it's really weird. So, I don't know. It's very, um, he's very different from the other characters, I think, as well, which makes it a little bit jolting to try and create him yeah. because he's much more adult than well I mean he is an adult <laughs> compared to the other teens but he has a very adult point of view as well yes uh, he does very non-judgmental he does. very he's quite perceptive and so it can be quite hard to get it across in the right way I think with him I think so too yeah <laughs> it'll be interesting to see how he end up getting or fixing it in the end yeah so I might have a go at that maybe over the next sort of as we're developing our characters for our other book. Yeah. Give me something extra to focus on this weekend. And maybe after having not looked at it for a while, it might be easier going back and you might be like, oh, actually, here's the problem. I think we touched on this a little bit before, but we mentioned that flaws really make a character. Do you want to, do you have anything you want to elaborate about that or? Flaws and fears, I'd say. I think flaws come from fears rather than like if you're creating a character rather than just arbitrarily assigning flaws and being like oh you know they're not very good at this or then trying to find the root fear which causes that flaw is really important because something that we've sort of seen with all our characters in our series is they all have very I, I want to say very specific fears, but then that's, it's a little bit of an oxymoron. <laughs> it contradicts slightly because uh, fears are both specific and quite generalized. Like you want it generalized so that it relates to the audience and to your readers, but then you also want it specific to the character and their experiences. So when I say specific fears, I'm more speaking about like the most terrifying situation for that character yeah I don't know. <laughs> to expand on that maybe an example so I'd say like Lizzie we touched on her fear as being she's terrified of not being seen and not being heard and being ignored so that causes her flaws which is she's often very loud, very bossy to sort of compensate for the fact that she's worried that no one's ever going to take her seriously. And sometimes that actually causes her fears of people not taking her seriously because (laughs) she's so loud and bossy. They're like, oh, for God's sake. (laughs) It just makes me think of one of the lines in, I can't remember which one it is now. I think it's from Levi's perspective. I think it might be When the Rain Falls. And he's like, predictably, Lizzie wanted to fight (laughs) you're like yes that's exactly (laughs) thumbs up Lizzie yeah and I think it's I guess you could almost say that that's almost like a fear of rejection in some ways and I think that's a very common fear for people to have so I think that's interesting if you if you can sort of work out fears in that way and and relate it to their backstory, relate it to how that's going to create flaws in the character, then that can really help create a believable, strong character. What would you have to say about that, Ashley? I would definitely agree. Flaws and fears are the best part about characters, I think. I really, one, I really like giving it to them, but also I really like, you know, seeing how it plays out and affects them in a book. No one likes people who are perfect. And you can really tell, I think, when people make characters who are too perfect as well. Like, they just don't feel real at all. Yeah. I think we sort of did that a little bit when the very first, when we did it when we were teenagers, we gave them very (laughs) stereotypical traits where some, you're like, that's not believable or they don't, like, this character's, like, basically perfect. It's not interesting. So I think it's one, they really need to have some sort of fear, flaw, combo to make them interesting believable and I think to actually connect with readers as well because yeah we all have flaws too so if they don't have them you're something like "Mm," you kind of get taken out of the taken out of the narrative and you're like that's unrealistic isn't it 
Well, ugh, why are they so perfect? Yeah, then it's just annoying. <laughs> you just don't relate with them. You're like, yeah, okay, you seem cool, but yeah, <laughs> not cool yeah, to me. No. <laughs> not cool to me. Too jealous of you to actually like you. <laughs> that kind of then leads us into briefly sort of touched on it in bits and pieces, but the mistakes we make when we are writing or creating characters in our books. What do you think are some of the the common ones or at least ones that you make or see people make all the time? A lot of people like to do up character sheets. Uh, We do it too. I think they are fun to make and they are helpful, Um, especially for us. We find it super helpful because we, you know, as collaborative writers we need to be able to see a what they look like so that we can describe them and be (laughs) consistent you know just sort of general traits of what that character is like so that we can even if we're not writing the character we're doing our own characters that when we include them in our chapters and that character talks back to the character that whose perspective we're writing from it's still consistent with the rest of the story but I do think sometimes when people create the sheets, they focus too much on like phenotypical items of what the character looks like or even just what the traits are, as I said before, without defining their wants and fears, which is really important for driving a character forward. When you see someone in real life, what defines them is not uh, what they look like or you know it's how they react to the environment and how they act based on the past experiences that they've had based on their culture based on a whole variety of things that make them an individual and their wants and their fears like what is driving them what are their dreams what do they hope to achieve in the course of your book and I think those things are the ones that you really need to focus on rather than, oh, you know, he's five foot five with dark hair and blue eyes. (laughs) That doesn't matter. If I'm writing, I'll add that stuff in later (laughs) because to me, it doesn't even register the description parts. I'll be like, I'll just skip over and I'll do everything else. And then it's the editing that I add description in because as I'm writing, I'm seeing the situation in forms of like how they're communicating, yeah. how they're acting, what's going on inside with feelings and yeah. <laughs> but I was saying it's really funny because in When the Rain Falls, I think it was like the third time through the first round of edits, I realized that we had Jess described like differently in like multiple different yeah, chapters. Yeah, we do. She had like different colored hair. Different colored something. hair, different color eyes. She was like a different height. But as you were saying, her personality and the way she reacted to everything was on point. It was just occasionally her like wild wavy copper hair became curly brown hair and you're like oh okay that's cool (laughs) different person I'll just fix that (laughs) yeah it's really easy to fix those things later I think it's uh yeah the driving aspects of what they want and who they are that matter more than outward appearance so what do you think um other flaws are other other mistakes (laughs) Yes, that's the one. <laughs> um, I briefly touched on this before, but I think when people make characters cliche, which yes. we definitely did at the start because they give them these cliche traits, but don't delve into any of the reasons behind it. So at the start, Levi was always the funny, clumsy one. And then Grace was the depressed one. And Dylan was the sensitive one. And it's all, that's fine. Like, they're perfectly reasonable traits to give a character, but we never put a lot of effort before into what made them that way in the first place which we fixed now yes yeah so like you know Levi is always you know funny because he doesn't want to become like his dad who's angry he's got a lot of trust issues with his dad you know kind of stems from other problems which then you know cascade problems into the book as well but I think that's one mistake that often I see a lot in books especially in minor characters yes and actually I think I've kind of touched on this in a blog post that I did when we were going through editing our books the first time over I had a look at Tomorrow When the War Began series because 
I wanted to see something that was similar and to be able to evaluate sort of where our book was in comparison it's nice to know sort of ones in your genre so I had a look at that series and I also watched the film and I don't know if anyone else has seen the film it, it's kind of a cute film but it's, it's almost like a I think when we saw it we described it as a chick flick action <laughs> I was about to say, didn't we see that together when it came out years and years and years ago? Yeah. (laughs) So I watched it again and I thought the reason why it failed to go large is not really a fault of, I mean, A, the books, but I think what they tried to do was they tried to build the characters really quickly. And the way they built the characters really quickly was to use stereotypes. And I think that took a little bit of the flavor out of it and kind of made it feel um, feel a little bit fake. Yeah. yeah. Like the characters just don't feel genuine. Because, you know, like you see Fee, for example, you know, total blonde, not very bright, very pretty. And then you see someone like Homer, who's crazy, doing dangerous stunts all the time and... It just felt like the way they developed the characters felt really stereotypical. And so I think that's partly why it sort of flopped. That would make sense. Well, it's kind of what we've been saying this whole time. If you don't make them feel believable, then it takes you right out of the story. So if they haven't made their characters, given them any real backstory that makes their traits make sense, then you're going to be taken taken out of it and you're kind of like this just feels like a weird stereotypical chick flick with some action which is confusing it was kind of nice from that perspective though in some ways (laughs) I was like it's kind of nice to have an action that's kind of more female orientated (laughs) like it had the story but then it had the action too so whereas they don't do a lot of those obviously because I mean like a lot of action films will incorporate like a love story into it to try and appeal to the female audience. But it's always like kind of a bit of an afterthought kind of thing. Like, oh, let's just add in like a little bit of a love secondary story going on here. I don't know. That that was my thoughts on it when I saw it. And I, when I read the first book, I almost felt like John Marston himself had a little bit of trouble in fixing, like trying to get, a handle on his characters but uh I think it was like a hundred times better than the film and it was only because I was like combing through the book that I even <laughs> noticed it I just picked up a couple of comments that I was like huh, it's a little bit strange considering because I've read the series like a million times and so I know like the characters inside out and I was like that's a little bit odd but okay let's just move on <laughs> like it's a bit strange but I'll let it slide I was like, I don't think they'd say that, which is, you know, I mean, who am I? Like some random reader, <laughs> whereas he's created these characters. Was it mostly at the start that you noticed that? Like, did it get better? Yes. After the sixth chapter, I think, it didn't have that at all. Right. It was just in the first, I think it mainly in chapters like three and four. Okay. I kind of noticed a couple of comments and I was like, oh. in a couple of actions, like Homer has a snake in his sleeping bag and he totally freaks out about it. And then Kevin, the supposedly cowardly person, rescues him from the snake. And I was like, well, that's a little bit strange considering how cowardly Kevin is and the rest of the... But then he did drop it later, so maybe not. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) He, like, tried and then he failed. (laughs) That was in the book. In the movie, they actually changed it to make Homer the one who rescued Kevin from the snake, which was interesting. I can kind of see why they made that choice in the film, but yeah, they still failed on the whole character. Thing, so I don't know. It was very interesting. So yes, don't make your characters cliche, I think is the moral of this yeah. story. And people do it all the time and we've done it too. Yeah. But at least we caught it and we fixed it. Feel they're not cliche anymore. I think I read something in a book. I can't remember what writing book it was, but It gave the example of, say you're making a character a truck driver and, you know, everyone's going to think of a slightly overweight male truck driver with perhaps like a balding pattern. Yeah. (laughs) Be, have a pie in one hand or something. I don't know. (laughs) But, you know, when you start thinking of characters, try and like change it up. So think about, okay, what if you had a female 
truck driver and now everyone's picturing some butch female driver make her feminine (laughs) you know like you can try and switch things around to stop sort of making these stereotypical characters you still want them consistent with the backstory and I guess you know that's where stereotypes come from is that people do develop similar experiences and do fit into a similar role based on uh, the experiences that they've had but they're still not the same yeah so don't necessarily make them totally square (laughs) don't make it feel like you put like a stock image slash stock character into your book that kind of transitioned quite nicely into talking about voice I think Mm -hmm. and how important or unimportant I think it's important how important it is about developing a distinctive voice for all your characters I think it definitely helps make your characters feel more real and I think that's actually one of the benefits that we have with writing collaboratively I think it's a lot easier for us especially because we're writing from the first person and we've got two different writers that it's a lot easier for us to give our characters a more distinctive voice from one another Uh, what what do you think Sarah? I think that's definitely an important thing is voice Uh, I think voice comes into it in two parts so every writer has their individual style which is again like you said why it's helpful for us collaboratively because we can create quite a contrast to the voice although and saying that our writing style is quite similar (laughs) too so maybe not such a contrast but you know you still do get a different feeling coming through uh, with the different character voices so because you have a certain writing style each character is going to have elements that feel similar to them but then where the differences come in is the second part about voice, which is based on character backstory, which is, again, why backstory is quite important. For example, you know, we've, we've talked about Lizzie being fiery and that comes through, but I feel like when I write Lizzie, she's quite practical. She's not necessarily very elegant with her words, uh, And I think that's what really makes a voice is choice of words. And I think when we started writing this series again, like I focused more on using her backstory to create that voice. So she, for example, has grown up on a rural farm in New Zealand. So she tends to swear probably a little bit more than the the (laughs) average teenager. She does. (laughs) Yeah, she gets to the point, like, (laughs) she doesn't muck around. (laughs) And um, so I think that's a little bit a product of her circumstances, whereas someone like Dylan, who was a law student before the war broke out in our book, he sometimes uses that to sort of colour his perspective and assessing situations and, and talking about, like, different people and which is possibly why he's sometimes, as long as he understands a situation, because sometimes he that doesn't really come through for him it, unless it's spelled out. As long as he understands a situation, he's quite sensitive because of that. So funny because that's what, <laughs> it's exactly what James says about Dylan. He's like, he's smart, but like sometimes he just, you're like, oh, it's such a Dylan moment. <laughs> but I think as a law student, you know, he tries to be, non-judgmental yeah and he puts up different arguments for things which, and uses words that he doesn't wouldn't necessarily use otherwise so I think that develops his voice a bit definitely Levi's very and then on the you should tell us about <laughs> on the flip side you have <laughs> Levi who I've said is he acts like he doesn't care about a lot of things but he does care about a lot of things and it's mostly kind of a, a bit of a act not an act but he's using it to cover up things in his past but because of that, he comes off very casual. So there's a lot of things that Levi just won't say. And I find his, when I write his perspective, his sentences are, they're quite short. They're not using any sort of fancy words. They're pretty straight to the point. Not really descriptive. Like he'll give you, he'll give you, you know, the minimum required for you to understand the situation. And then kind of just get, I guess, down to whatever he's trying to portray in his chapter. And then there's Grace, who's very... She's had a lot of tragedy in her life. And I think it, she kind of, it makes her look at the world through, I guess, a more depressed view of almost everything. It is quite an 
I mean, we've talked before about having an undercurrent of fear to her chapters. And I think that's where voice really does come in because it's not like we purposefully set about to give her that no. undercurrent of fear. <laughs> I don't even know how it gets in there sometimes. It's just like you just start reading and you're like, ooh, I'm all tense. Like, <laughs> I think it's just a yeah, slightly darker view of the world. She doesn't see... Like, she's not a gla- the glass is half full type of person. So just general, I think just general description, general, whatever's happening in the chapter, she's always looking at it through not the brightest perspective. So I think it gives it sort of darker yeah. feel. I actually, I think Lizzie and Grace's are probably the most contrasting. Yes, I would say so too, I think. Because usually you can really tell if it's a Lizzie chapter yeah. or a Grace chapter. You're like, oh, yes. <laughs> One sentence and you're like, this is Grace. <laughs> she's, it's dark. She's depressed or she's worried. Lizzie's, she's very feisty, but then she tends to look on the brighter side yeah. compared to Grace. I think because that she's feisty and very resilient, she's like, no, this is the way it's going to go. <laughs> and I don't care what anyone else says. We're going to get through this. <laughs> She's almost like defiant. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, which gives her like almost a more optimistic feel. Definitely. definitely. Whereas Grace is a lot more pessimistic. Yes. Oh, Grace. <laughs> but yeah, it's very, very interesting, the voices and that come out. And yeah, I, I do think backstory plays a huge amount in creating a voice. I think I, I think so too. I think it's the voice comes from knowing who your characters are and how they would tell you about a certain situation. So if you haven't got that down, your voice is going to feel flat or off or generic or whatever. Yeah, and I think we talked about uh, last podcast about my method with interviewing. And I think if you're struggling with voice that is potentially a method that you could use to help develop voice. Because if you're sort of asking questions of your character and imagining it like an interview situation or you're sitting down with them at a coffee shop and they're telling you the story, then you might be able to understand a little bit more of how, like what it would sound like coming from a person who had those experiences and who are in the situation that they're in, if that makes sense. Definitely. I've tried your interview technique twice, I think. Oh, interesting. How did it go for you? The first time was in the Grace chapter in Price of Pandemonium where she's like all depressed in the house. That one. Because I really, I struggled with that chapter, mainly because it, it's sort of a weird one. Well, yeah, because I know where you struggled. It's like not a lot happens, but it's a very necessary chapter. Yeah, pretty much. So I, I used it for that, which it, it did help because I was really stuck with that one. Um, and then you used it for a similar one, the Levi one uh, yeah. that comes just after with when the soldiers come, which helped as well. It's, it's usually when I'm not, I can, I know how they'll feel on like the surface, if that makes sense, like how they'll react. But I want to know for sure what's going on inside you know their little heads when uh these events happen um so there's the two times I've used and it was helpful it was definitely helpful yeah it must have been helpful (laughs) because (laughs) they're pretty good chapters I think both of those so especially the Levi one I really felt like that was really grabbing it was quite heart-wrenching in some ways Levi. so I feel so bad for him in that chapter always you're like oh bad for them all Such a bad time for them. <laughs> yeah, that was what I was about to say. They're not having the greatest time. Anyways, we can continue on. So the next point on my our outline was talking about how we go about making characters. And we've kind of briefly touched on this, how we use character sheets, which are pretty important when we're working collaboratively. Yeah, yeah. But it's not the only thing that you can do to make our characters. Yeah, I think the only thing that I really had to add to that was just figuring out what each character's breaking point is and like I think we we do the character sheets because that's important but I think it's also important to be the biggest fan of your own book because if you don't like it then who else is going to like it and me and Ashley really are big fans of our books as you may have noticed (laughs) Um, but we do you know talk with each other a lot about our characters and I think that goes a big way towards helping create them 
and um, being able to imagine them and envision them in the situations that we're going to put them in. And yeah, I think talking about it and being able to sort of bounce off each other and work out, oh, is our characters going to cope with this? Can they come back from it? Because <laughs> we had that situation. We have, especially in Darkness Set Us Free, yeah. where yeah. we had to make a choice about a certain situation, which I will not disclose here. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. But we had to decide whether we were going to continue with the plot line that we'd set out because we realized it was going to have quite a drastic effect on our characters and we had to try and work out whether they were actually strong enough to come back from it <laughs> which I think they are but uh, I think so it's gonna be a, an uphill battle <laughs> I think so we've had the like well, not the, I guess some sort of opposite we've come up with a couple ideas and we're like should we do this and we've actually been like mm, no I don't think that character will handle it at all like we can't come back from this chain yes and we had to walk quite a fine line in what we chose to do as well it's not necessarily whether something's going to happen as or not but it's also how it happens and how we go about bringing the situation to light I guess definitely just think about we've had many conversations where we're like okay if we make the, if we do this <laughs> how will Dylan react and then we're like, okay, actually, this won't work because Dylan's not going to act how we want him to. And that means like this whole plot point isn't going to go forward or whoever the character is. So, like, okay, so maybe we need to make it that Lizzie does this because at least if Lizzie does it, like it makes sense and it will, you know, the domino will fall and then blah, blah, blah. So there's a lot of conversation like that. Yeah. Which is interesting. I do like the conversations about character. Yes, I, I really do as well. Character for me is, it's the most exciting part of the whole book process, I think, is I just love how the characters have come to life. And then, you know, we've lived with these characters in our heads for like a good 15 years now. So <laughs> yeah, They do really feel like people to us. It's kind of strange when you think about it. <laughs> it is strange. It is strange. I think they're forever going to be in my brain. There's n there's no erasing them. No, no. <laughs> I don't I don't think so. So be aware of that is that you have to live with your characters for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> like I'll watch TV shows and I'll be like, this person is a grace person or this person is like I start categorizing people my current thing is I'll be listening to like a random playlist on Spotify and a song will come on and I'm like this is a grace song the other day I had one and I can't remember who it was by I think it was by three days grace and I was, I was listening to it and I laughed because it was three days grace obviously was the name of the band and then I was like <laughs> this is the most Levi song I have ever heard it was like pretty much about not wanting to be like I don't want to be like you you know you've done all these horrible things to me and I'm not following in your footsteps blah 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 kind of that was the vibe I was getting I was like this is so Levi so Levi <laughs> Something that's going to happen to me forever. I think that's a good, another good clue for creating characters is if you're struggling to sort of find the feeling that creates a character, I often use songs to create like feelings. So I'll find a song that kind of fits the feeling that I want to, to write onto the paper. And then that kind of comes through when I like imbue it into a character. It's, it's an interesting technique but it, it works quite well I think probably quite a few writers use it but yeah I like writing to songs as well often it's more I'll find a song and I'll be like mm, this will fit for Levi in this situation in like <laughs> yeah. four chapters time I will hold on to it and when I'm writing it I will play it <laughs> I don't play them while I'm writing because I have to be really focused to be able to to do that and often I'll find it too distracting and I'll start listening <laughs> to the song and then I can't write but I'll play them like when my like I'll play them in the shower or I'll play them <laughs> during like doing yeah. chores and just everything else in my life and then so that when I sit down ahead of like I'll play them ahead of time and then I'll sit down and I'll be like <laughs> okay I'm ready <laughs> I've got this I did that for the last chapter of Darkness Set Us Free actually I just played several songs on repeat in the shower and then I like got out and I was like I'm gonna do this today that's when you did it all in one go as well 
right? Yeah, yeah. I did. It took me like the entire day, basically. But <laughs> worth it. Worth it. Wrote like five thousand words or something. It's a good effort. <laughs> it was a pretty good effort for one day. I don't do that every day. <laughs> I know some people do, and that's impressive. But I, don't. I wouldn't have the time. I wouldn't have the time. I only get like. I think probably 1,500 is like probably the most that I could do on a regular basis, which is not no, that's bad pretty going. Good. That's but. pretty good. Probably, oh, mine's probably, must be around about 1,000 when I'm going well, because I usually do a chapter a week and a chapter's like, you know, five-ish thousand words. So I'm going badly. It's like oh, no. 200 <laughs> yeah. at a time. So not even there. It'll be like 100. And it all and just changes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Look like an hour or two. <laughs> Like, okay, let's put this aside for now. <laughs> right. As a final point, what do we think about names of characters? Are they important? How do you choose one? What do you think? I don't, I'm not really like to start with, I'm not really bothered by them. I'm, I just kind of put a placeholder there. I'll make up like a random name. And then if I feel later that it's not fitting, then I will change it later. I don't think names are too, a name can always be yeah. changed. It's not a big deal. I would say that it is helpful to keep like a list of all the names that you use because otherwise you can start using similar, um, like when we started writing our series, we worked out that we were using names starting with L a bit too much. So you'll notice there's like Lizzie and Levi and then it, there's Leah. Uh, so after that, we we started trying to ease off the yeah. L's a bit. <laughs> But, but also you can get um, names that rhyme Ugh. if you're not careful because often when you like a name, you like sounds of names or you like names beginning with certain letters. So I just be aware of that. Like we had the Jared Jaden issue in When the Rain Falls, which I had to change because... Yeah, Jared and Jaden. <laughs> and then you changed it to Ryan and I was like, that's kind of similar to Dylan, but like from a yeah. sort of rhyming point and that's what I mean about like often when you're attracted to names it's like a certain style or a certain rhythm with letters yeah. so I mean like Ryan and Dylan is different enough that it wasn't a big deal but it's slightly funny considering <laughs> it is funny but the Jade and Jared thing got so bad that they were mixed up multiple times in my first read through like sometimes the because one's an, a boyfriend and the other's a brother so it goes quite amusing when they were mixed up I found multiple instances where they were mixed up and that's when I decided I had to change it I was like this is too much like if I'm that's confused disturbing. the reader's also going to be confused but also there was recently a couple that I changed which we had a couple minor characters who were both soldiers called Dan and Louie and then I realized writing it uh, that it was too similar to Dylan and Levi. <laughs> and I was like, I don't understand how this happens. So I would be very aware of that. It's just helpful to keep a sheet. <laughs> Definitely helpful. Uh, I think when it comes to names, it's more obvious when the name doesn't fit the character. So I feel like if you have a name in there and it seems fine, it probably doesn't matter. But when you get one that for some reason doesn't match that's when it's sort of more obvious and you might need to think about changing it there's one in my book that I'm thinking about changing because it just doesn't quite feel like it suits her but then I'm not really sure I'll wait and see might ask someone's opinion after reading it all righty did you have anything else to add or should we move on to our mistakes of the month we can move on to the mistakes of the month <laughs> that's really exciting I'm very excited given um I haven't been doing a lot of writing we've mostly been planning I didn't really f- I didn't have any real mistakes of the month I did find one but I can't find where I wrote it down so I was oh well but we did for the first time have someone a lovely listener write into us and send us their mistake of the month which I'm really excited to share with you do you want me to read it or do you want to do the honors Sarah? You, you can do the honors I, I think. can read it Okay. They've actually sent us a they've sent us a passage to read out, so I'll read it word for word for what they they sent me. Alrighty, here we go. It says, I work in a profession where we have to observe and analyze relationships between people. Recently, a colleague who was writing a report turned to me and asked me how to spell gyrate. Curiosity got me and I asked why she was using that word. She said she was quite proud of using that word and she always felt really smart when she used it. And her sentence was, in quotes, the child gyrated towards the mother. 
which I it makes me laugh. Um, it turns out for the past three years, she'd been using gyrate instead of gravitate. I love it so much. It's hilarious. <laughs> I, I feel really bad for like, this person. I'm but... imagining it in court documents. Oh my goodness. Gyrated. It's just the image of it. Like... I know. I know. Yes. <laughs> and as a nurse, like I can see a similar thing happening to me in my profession. If, if <laughs> Confusing the words. Oh, dear. <laughs> I'm never going to be able to look at the word gravitate or gyrate the same now. Like with that. Yeah. It's the sentence as well. Something about it. It shows. <laughs> It's very actually the the way she described that is, is very well well written. Yes, I can just see the situation occurring, and it's I like, know. how do you tell someone that? Like, I I would be interested to see like how she managed to like explain to a colleague that it was the wrong <laughs> word. Because you can't just let them keep going using that word. No. But then at the same time, like, how are you going to describe that to someone? And be like, uh, it's gravitate. <laughs> it's gravitate, not gyrate. Oh. oh, that would be so awkward. Thank you so much for sending yes. this in. That's amazing. You just have no words. <laughs> All right. All right. Sarah, did you have any other um, mistakes of the month to add? Well, as we said, we haven't really been writing, but I did have an interesting situation crop up yesterday. So I'm sure everyone's had the made the mistake of texting the wrong person before. I found a whole new level of this yesterday. So I have Bitmoji set up as an extra keyboard on my iPhone so that I can paste them into iMessages and Usually, like, I don't know if anyone's used Bitmoji, but it has an option so that you can, like, click on, you can have, like, multiple Bitmojis in your, and, like, have a have a friend in your Bitmojis. So, usually I have my husband selected under the iMessages with the Bitmoji so that it'll crop up with pictures of me and him. And I went to send him a message with Bitmoji, but I had forgotten that I had changed the picture from him to my younger brother because it was my younger brother's birthday. Uh, And so I sent him a picture, you know, saying happy birthday with our Bitmojis and then I forgot to change it back. And so I texted my husband a picture of me and my younger brother. (laughs) Oh my God, yes. (laughs) Hopefully it wasn't anything awkward. No, it was, oh it, it was just something like, it said something like, you are nice to me. <laughs> With your brother? You're like, hey. Yeah. <laughs> it was really, and then I was like, oh my God, what have I done? <laughs> and my husband was laughing so hard because he was downstairs and I was just like texting him from upstairs because uh, he was working and I was like, I, anyways. <laughs> I like went downstairs and I was like, that's a whole new level of awkward. <laughs> yeah. Also, since I'm on the subject of texting, I thought we'd share some of our um, texting, predictive text mistakes, because they're always great. Do you have any to share, Ashley? What's your weirdest one? I do have one. It wasn't me. Okay. I, I'll have to spell one of the words for you. Uh, but it's hilarious. So I got a text from my mum one day. Um, she was asking me what I had for dinner. I was like, oh, you know, I made um, a chicken curry or something. And she's like, cool. And she meant to, I, she told me she meant to send, I had tasty duck, but it auto-corrected. <laughs> so the U became an I. <laughs> and I have never laughed so hard in my entire life. <laughs> and then immediately after, she's Oh my god! I didn't. I meant I meant duck, but it did it again. So she, I was like crying. I was like, "Mom, what?" She's like, and then she's just like silence. So she refused to text back. And then, um, so apparently, I asked her about it the next weekend because I was like, "This is hilarious." And I asked, you know, I was like, "Dad, did you hear about Mum's hilarious mistake?" And Dad's like, "No." 
And I was like, what? How did you not tell her? And then mum's like, I was too embarrassed. And then dad's like, is that why you weirdly got up from the couch crying with laughter and went and hid in the bedroom? And she's like, yes, it is. Yes, it is. That's my favorite one I've ever received. Oh, that's amazing. It was amazing. (laughs) Um, Do you have any? So this is from my dad. (laughs) So a, a long time ago, when I was still living at home and we were living on a farm and <laughs> my dad texted me and my brother got weapons text keywords. <laughs> what? What does it even mean? Um, what it was meant to be was got wieners because he was talking about picking up some calves that he brought text keywords which was the name <laughs> of the people he was buying from because they left them in the stockyards for him to pick up. And dad wanted to let them know that he'd picked them up without any problems. <laughs> but we just looked at the phone and we're like, got weapons, text keywords. And we're like, oh my God, dad is a spy. What has he done? <laughs> <laughs> it does sound like it. Because we used to joke about it even before this text message sort of came up because he always used to pick us up from school and things um like he he's an accountant so he'd wear like a suit to work but then he'd always be like wearing sunglasses and stuff and so he'd like rock up at school wind down like the window and his like suit and sunglasses and he'd just like look over to us and be like get in (laughs) (laughs) so we used to joke about him being a spy and then he texted that which was amazing got weapons that is amazing i love it you're like what's the code word what's the code (laughs) i love that it like corrected like what did you send back or did he notice (laughs) i can't really remember i think like because he sent the text to my to my brother but like we were both kind of like we were probably doing something with the horses or whatever and so we're both like just dying over this text message it's amazing another one that also came from my dad because he's amazing at texting these weird messages. Was he also once texted us entirely in German? What? <laughs> this was to me, and like me and my older brother were home. <laughs> we're just like looking at this text, and I was like, I, I can't even understand this. Like, it looks like it's in German. And Corey's like, What? <laughs> why I don't understand and then so then we had to google translate it to be able to understand it and once we google translated it it said help Matt changed the language to German and now I can't change it back oh my gosh yes which was just amazing that's amazing I didn't even know that you could do that with phones like (laughs) so I don't know I don't think every phone has this function, but on my dad's, I think his was like his old Samsung. You used to be able to switch it so that even if you typed in, in English, like it would output it in German, whatever language <laughs> you chose. And my younger brother was bored in the truck on the way to a horse show, which I wasn't going to for whatever reason. It was probably later when I was doing my nursing. But so he changed the language to German and dad That's couldn't a- change it back. I love it so much. I love that you were able to translate it and it like actually translated to something that you guys could understand. And it was that. Help. <laughs> All right. Maybe on that note, we should finish up. Did you have anything else you wanted to add to mistakes of the month? Nope. I think that's all. Well, hopefully next time we'll um, have started writing our new book. So hopefully we'll have... Yes. A few more mistakes. That would be <laughs> exciting. Uh, so next time, Sarah and I are going to be talking about some inconsistencies and things which really irk us. Yes. Sarah being a nurse, she has a bone to pick with injuries. Yes. Like on TV shows, I'm sure everyone's come across that from time to time. And you're like, did the script writer even look up injuries and whether this is feasible? I don't know, but... <laughs> that's what we're going to be talking about (laughs) yep and I have a big issue with how they often represent science especially in CSI shows I have a massive problem with it (laughs) Uh, we'll get into it more next time but it 
it drives me up the wall. Uh, and James always hears me complaining. Like, That's not how it works. Did they even look at what the machine looks like? <laughs> That's the same as me with injuries. And so what we're going to be talking about is how to avoid those issues in your writing and how to create believable injuries and create believable scientific scenarios. I guess I would say. <laughs> yes. Anyways, I hope you guys all enjoyed today's talk. If you want to get in contact with us, you can check out our blog at lindersoncreations.com or go to our Instagram uh, as well, which is just under Linderson Creations. And please send us in uh, any mistakes of the month that you have. We'd love to talk about them and hopefully we'll have some more writing mistakes of the month to share with you next time. Yeah. Anyways, have a good month and we will... I get not see you. Have you listened to us again? So I'm just adding, I guess, a short epilogue to this podcast. Uh, just a couple of things that we did want to mention is I, you guys will probably notice that unfortunately we have decided to stop transcribing our podcast episodes. I am going to try and test out some transcribing software, but we do not get paid for this podcast so we're at the moment probably not going to pay for transcribing so if anyone does know any free transcribing software that's out there that's brilliant let me know because that would be super helpful at the last times that we've been transcribing I have been writing it all out which is a huge ridiculously long task <laughs> And so as interesting as it's been to analyze our different speech patterns, um, <laughs> we will sadly not be providing that anymore. But we'd also like to say to you guys that if you like our podcast, then be sure to subscribe and yeah, and we'll continue doing it because we love talking to you guys. So I hope everyone has a brilliant month. Happy writing, everyone. <laughs>